Good morning. Good morning. Everybody good? Good. Good. Fine. John chapter 8. Verse 31, where we begin today. Jesus is teaching in the temple. The Feast of Booths holiday has just ended. The Jewish leaders have come at Jesus. They have tried to trap him again. And of course, their plan failed. And what ends up happening is they, they end up getting a sermon from Jesus like they had never heard before. And we have to take notice how Jesus did this. He, he just gave truth. He doesn't resort to name calling or trickery or anything like that. We know that they end up calling him names in the end, but he just gave the truth. His words are truth. And he clearly explains to them who he is, where he came from, and where he is going. He clearly gives the gospel message. He challenged everyone to examine their hearts. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. A true disciple does what? abides that is that they continue they continuing in the word without fading or being lost in other words a true disciple is loyal to the word and perseveres jesus is truth the word is truth the spirit is truth god is truth and he gives us truth through his word so we must abide in the word amen because it is a truth that will set us free as we have learned not just any truth but the truth that comes from God, the word of God. And when we obey his word, we grow in spiritual knowledge. As we grow in spiritual knowledge, we grow in freedom from sin. We learn the truth and the truth leads to liberty. Truth leads to freedom. That's the freedom that John wants us to know about. That's the freedom that God is offering to all who will believe. So let's read verse 31, chapter 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offsprings of Ab offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. You know, we have this back and forth between the Jewish leaders and, and Jesus, and, and sometimes it's very easy just to really hate what the leaders are doing, you know, and, and be in disbelief at the way they are treating Jesus. And, you know, and what they are doing is wrong. Yes, it is the way they're doing it. But it's always good to look at where the other person is coming from. And it always helps us to better understand why they're doing what they are, what they do. The Pharisees, for example, think about who they are and what they do. They are resisting the message that Jesus is teaching and preaching. Now, we have the complete word, and we know that they are resisting because they don't have the love of God in their hearts. But I want you to think about this. There were some leaders back then that do end up being followers of Jesus. Some weighed out the evidence. Some studied the words that Jesus taught, and they followed the light that God had given them. Nicodemus is a good example of that. But think about this. 
The strongest opposition to Jesus comes from the ones who are the most obedient to the law of God. They are the ones whose job was to defend God's holiness. And here comes Jesus, who seems to be telling people to break the Sabbath, eat human flesh, drink blood, claims to exist existed before Abraham, claims to be equal with God, claims to be God, outright blasphemy, they would say. We have to take him out, they would say. Who is this guy? Here comes an uneducated man, by their standard, from Galilee, who is placing himself above the law of Moses and scorning the authorities who are in charge of protecting the integrity and sacredness of God's revealed truth. And on top of that, he's gaining a following. People are listening. People are following Jesus. And that's why the Jewish leaders were resisting. And probably why Jesus was so patient with them. He was patient. But once the truth is revealed, they have no excuse. Same for us. You know, no matter what your past is, me and Jerry and Pastor Ryan and Katie were talking about, we all got a story. No excuse once you hear the truth. They have no excuse for what they were doing. So it does help a little to understand where the Pharisees are coming from. But the real problem is, like I have said before, they were full of unbelief. They could not hear the truth. They could not internalize the truth, nor could they understand the truth that Jesus was teaching. So Jesus said to them, he said, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. He's challenging them. He said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, they didn't even respond to that. They're like, hey, we're the offspring. Of, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? You know, I, when you kind of debate somebody and you give them a point, they jump somewhere else. So you give them that point, then they jump somewhere else. It's kind of irritating. But that's what they were doing here. Now, we know the Jew, that the Jewish leaders, they were looking for political freedom. Yes, we know that. They were wanting to get out from un, under the Roman rule. But that's not exactly what is on, their mind, on the minds of the Pharisees here. The Jewish leaders were not foolish men. You know, I mean, they were when it came to what Jesus taught. Yes, they were fools, but they, they were educated people. So when they responded by saying, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone, they were not just all of a sudden, sudden forgetting their history. They knew that they were once in bondage to e in Egypt. They celebrated the Passover every year, you know, celebrating the exodus out of bondage, out of slavery every year. They knew they were, were once in bondage to Babylon. They were slaves to Medo-Persia. They were in bondage partially to the Greeks. They were in bondage to the Romans at the very moment that Jesus was speaking these words in the temple. But that's not the bondage they were thinking about or talking about. They're not talking about some kind of political situation here. Here's what they're saying. They're saying back to Jesus, we are spiritually free because we are Abraham's children. They knew that Jesus was talking about bondage to sin. Jesus made that clear. They got that. But the problem is, they did not believe that they were under judgment because of their sin. They believed that they were in good standing with God because they were Abraham's children. They were God's chosen nation. The judgment's not for them. It's for others. 
It's for those sinning Gentiles out there, not for us. Those Gentiles don't even keep the law like we do. So when they hear Jesus say they are in bondage, they associated bondage with a, a bad position with God. Being in bondage to sin means that you will soon receive impending judgment. They said, that's not us. That's not us. There, there, there's no way. So spiritually, they, they didn't think they were lost. You know, they were righteous in their own minds. Remember what Jesus said to them. He says, I did not come to call the righteous to repentance for who? The sinner. The sinner. He said this to them because they did not see their sin problem. So in their minds, they did not need Jesus. They did not need Jesus to set them free. Their freedom came through Abraham and their self-righteousness. So Jesus is talking about spiritual truth. They knew it, but they did not accept that truth. They suppressed it. They said, look, we're offspring of Abraham, never been a slave to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus says, I say to you, everyone who practices sin, is a slave to sin. If you are a slave to sin, that means you are not free. You may think you are, but you're in bondage. Jesus continues in verse 35. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in, your, in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. Jesus is really drawing a line here in the sand. All right. He says, I am from the father, the father. And he says to them, you have a different father and your actions prove who your father is. What's their action? Well, they seek to kill Jesus. Why do they want to kill Jesus? We hit this last week. He said, verse 37, he said, I know you're the offspring of Abraham, and you seek to kill me. Why? Because my word finds no place in you. It always goes back to the word of God. They are not abiding in the word. The word finds no place in them. No room. No room. Why? Because they are full of unbelief. And when you are full of unbelief, then there's no room for the truth. And it is their actions that show they are not in the word. And we know that if the word does not abide in them, then that means they are in bondage to sin. You know, I was thinking as I was studying, you know, how my mind wanders, especially when that squirrel ran by the window and I start staring at it. So I'm looking at the squirrel. But as I'm digging in the word, I had to stop. You know what? I, I've never gotten in trouble while I was in the Word. You know, I'm a pretty good guy when I'm doing that, you know. The times that I'm, I'm in the Word, I pretty much stay out of trouble. But it's when I do not spend time with God that my mind takes me places that I don't need to go. It's when I'm not proactive in putting God's word in my heart that I'm tempted to do what I know I'm not supposed to do. It's when I do not keep that light of God lit that I end up walking in darkness. Just me? Okay. Just some nuts. Listen, 
We have to keep God's word in our heart so that we do not sin against God. It's always about the word. That's where the power is. I think a lot of times we take God's word for granted. You know, hey, I walked out, I got saved. You know, God's going to do what God's going to do. And we get relaxed and we forget that it is a spiritual battle every day. Every day. We have to put the word of God in our hearts so that we will be equipped for the battle that is going to happen. I guarantee you it's going to happen every day. Amen. Be equipped. All right. Squirrel's gone. Back to the Pharisees. They had a lot of head knowledge when it came to the word. And they use it to justify their actions, to, to justify their sins. If the word had been in their hearts, they might have understood the words that Jesus was speaking to them. Jesus gave the message of the gospel in many different ways to them. Like I said, he was patient with them. His patience with them was pretty incredible. But it runs out. It runs out. And that could happen to all of us. God is patient. But finally, he's going to let, take his hand off of you and give it to you and let you have it your way. And he ends up doing that. But he wanted them to see that it's a spiritual battle. And that's why Jesus used the son and the servant to explain the difference between spiritual freedom and bondage. It's simple as this. The servant may live in the house, but he's not part of the family. He has no guarantee when it comes to the future, nor does he have a part of the inheritance. He's a servant. He's not a son. So what can a slave or servant do to set himself free? How can a slave be set free? By what means can that happen? Only one way. By the son. Only the true son has the power to set one free. God the father is willing to set, one, set the ones who are in bondage free. God the son is willing to set them free. The word is standing before them on that day. The word has been spoken to them, teaching them how to be set free. So it is the son who proclaims the truth, who proclaims the word that has the power to set them free. The slave has no power. He has no power. You know, when Jesus brings up the true son and the slave, the Jews knew who he, what he was referring to. If you remember, uh, when Jesus said this, he said, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. They knew it was a reference to Abraham's children. They are the ones who brought up Abraham's children. So Jesus said, well, you want to go there? We can go there. Abraham had two sons. The first one was Ishmael, the son that came from the slave. The child that was conceived because Abraham did not trust God. And now what happened to Abraham's slave son, Ishmael? He was cast out of the house. He was cast out. And then there's Isaac. He was the one who God had promised. Therefore, he remained in the house. So the leaders on that day who were claiming to be descendants of Abraham have to ask himself, themselves now, which son of Abraham will I be? Which one? You're claiming to be you know, a descendant of Abraham. Which bloodline are you in? The true son, the one who remained in the house, or the servant son who is cast out? That's the gospel message. Either you'll be in the house forever, you will be free, or you will be in bondage to sin and cast out. You see, the issue, the point that, that, the, the, the point that Jesus is making here, as we will see, 
the, the issue is not physical genealogy, but spiritual kinship. He wants them to see that he is the true son who remains forever and for them to come to him. Jesus is the true son, the seed of Abraham. Galatians 3.16 says this. Now the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. That's where the promises went. Christ was Abraham's descendant and would become, by God's covenant, the focus of all of God's promises to Abraham. And the good news is, all of those who are in Christ are included in these covenant promises. We are in there. Jesus is the one true son, and that's why he is able to say, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is the true son and the seed of Abraham, and he is the one that remains in the house forever. The leaders knew about the sons of Abraham, but they did not understand that Jesus is the son. They didn't get it. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. You know, there, there comes a time in everyone's life where we all have to contemplate or we think about this. We think about, you know, what is life all about? Why am I here? Where, where did life come from? There are some things we know that are true. One thing that is true is that everyone dies. We know that is truth. But we all have asked, what happens when I die? Everyone at some time in their life will ponder those questions. And at that time, I would say reality sets in. The reality of this is that we live in a world that is not perfect. That's truth. We are not perfect. That's truth. But perfection is what our hearts really desire. That's what we want. If we are honest, we all want the world to be perfect. We don't like pain. We don't like heartache or disappointment. We won't have it. We desire a place with no more tears. Amen. Now, this may come as a shock to some, but guess what? We are part of the problem here. Because we are all sinners. We add to the pain and the heartache of this world. And when we understand that truth, it is then that we can confess. Confess that we are sinners in need of a savior when we realize that we are part of the problem. And when one gets to that point in life, it is then that God will give us light to follow. And that light leads us directly to the truth. We seek to find the truth. We search the word of God. And it is then you can find the truth that gives you a freedom that surpasses all understanding. That's how it works, right? But if you are full of unbelief, like the guys in our text today, if you have hardened your heart like the Jewish leaders and you think that you are righteous, then in your heart, the only words that you hear are, there is no need for a savior because I'm a pretty good person. Look at my deeds. That's the lie that you will hear. I don't need the son. There's no room. There is no need for the truth. I am free. 
Those are the words that fill the, fills the heart of the ones who are full of unbelief. They will not make room. They will not allow a place in their hearts for the word of God. Total rejection of the sun will happen. We must follow the light that leads to paradise. There is no paradise here. Now you see your buddies, you know, your redneck buddies, man. How's it going, man? Living in paradise, another day in paradise. I'm like, what's your definition of paradise? <laughs> this ain't it. But they say it. There is no paradise here. That's why we long for the return of the son. Amen. So again, Jesus identified himself with the father in heaven. He has done this several times with them. But here, not only does he identify himself as a legitimate son of God, he has also told those people who they were. He says, you are sons of disobedience. In other words, your father is from hell. My father, he said, is God almighty. Your father is Satan. Ouch. Oh, my. And that's and what is their response? They're like, oh, hold on just one minute there, young man. Apparently, you haven't done your research because Abraham is our father, they claim. You know, every time I, I read where they claim that Abraham is their father, it always, take, it always takes me back to Luke chapter 8. To one of the first seeker-friendly preachers out there, John the Baptist, he's out there in the wilderness baptizing people, preaching a message of repentance. And, and here comes the elite Jewish leaders who absolutely do not put any fear in John, as we can see. And I don't think he had much respect for them. But write this verse in your margins, Luke 8, 7. He said this, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him. You brood of vipers. What a welcoming. Wow. He's talking to the Jewish leaders and he said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Now listen to this. John says this, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. He says, I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John calls them out. Listen, they have been claiming the, quote, children of Abraham stuff for so many times and for so long. There's John warning them. He said, don't even think about saying that. We've heard that already. We have Abraham as our father means nothing. Don't think so highly of yourself. Genetics is not what God wants. God wants a heart of repentance. He wants a heart that loves him, not genetics. Think about that statement that John made. God is able to raise, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. So just being a descendant physically is really not that big a deal in a sense. I mean, not a big deal for God, right? He's the creator of man and life. He can make more people out of those stones if he really wanted to. He has the power to do that. He's done it before. Well, what is really a big deal is to find true believers who have love in their hearts for God the Father. That's a big deal. God wants sons who love the Lord our God with all their heart, mind, and strength. John didn't hold back. 
He said, don't even think about saying Abraham is your father. Those are empty words. Your actions do not line up with what you preach. 34, again, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He says, I know you're an offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. And they answered him. They said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of a that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works of your father. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. So did you see what Jesus did? He said, I know you are offspring of Abraham. And then he also tells him that may be true, but this is true. You are not in God's family like you think you are. What you are doing is not what Abraham did. So that means you are doing the works your father did. And I know who that is, Jesus says. So what Jesus did was he made a careful distinction between Abraham's seeds, that is the physical descendants, and Abraham's children, spiritual descendants because of personal faith. Galatians 3, 6 says this, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Those of faith are the sons of Abraham. They are the ones who can claim to be Abraham's descendants, the ones of faith, not the ones of earthly bloodline. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, that's all of us, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So how are all the nations blessed? By the coming of Jesus in the new covenant, we are blessed. All of the nations, not just the physical descendants of Abraham, but all the nations, Jew and Gentile alike, they all become one in Christ. What does Paul say? For as many of you who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He says, there is no, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave or, nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ. And if you're in Christ, he says, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So it is by faith that, that you become an heir when you believe in Jesus when you believe in Jesus, you become one of Abraham's offspring. No matter where you live, no matter what ethnicity you are, by faith in Jesus, you can receive the truth and the truth can set you free, free from that bondage of sin. You become an heir according to the promise. All of the nations, the word says, can come to Jesus and receive salvation. Amen. But the ones who are claiming to be Abraham's descendant were nothing like Abraham. 
She said, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But you seek to kill me. So they're trying to kill Jesus. Nothing like Abraham. Listen, Abraham was considered to be a friend of God, Isaiah 41.8. Abraham listened to God's truth and obeyed it. But these religious leaders rejected it. That happened right before Jesus. You know, some people say, well, God was talking to Abraham. And that's why, you know, hey, God was speaking to me. I'd probably do what he said. Jesus is God speaking to the Pharisees that day also. Can't use that excuse. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked at a child and said, you know what? That boy acts just like his father. <laughs> sometimes it's good. Sometimes that ain't my kid. But that happens because nature is determined by birth and birth is determined by paternity. So let's take a look at the nature of the Jewish leaders, how they were acting. Are we able to tell who their father is? Can it be said that they are acting just like their father? Is their father, if their father was the devil, what would be the characteristics of these religious leaders? First thing stands out is they reject the truth. And then we read here today that they tried to kill Jesus because he spoke the truth. We learned last week that they did not have love for God, nor could they understand what Jesus taught. Satan's children may be very well versed in their religious traditions, but they have no understanding of the word of God, as we have seen. So what do we know about their father? Well, Satan is a liar and a murderer. He lied in the beginning when he asked, did God really say that, which led to death? These religious leaders lied about Jesus. They hired false witnesses, and then they crucified Jesus. These leaders were in the worst kind of bondage. And I point that out because it's the kind that the prisoner himself does not recognize. He thinks he's free, yet he's really a slave. The Pharisees and other religious leaders thought they were free, but they were actually enslaved in terrible bondage to sin and to their father, Satan. They would not face the truth. They would not accept the truth. They would not accept the son the only one who could set them free. And look what Jesus said about them. 40, verse 43. Why do, you, why do you not understand what I say? And he answers it. It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus just said to them, Satan is your father, and you share in his evil nature. Those are some of the strongest words that Jesus ever spoke to people. But the truth is, there is hell and damnation for the children of Satan. And it's a heartbreaking truth that some take that route. But there is good news. The good news is, is if God is your father, then you share in God's nature. Right? What does that look like? I love how Peter opened up his uh, second letter. Second Peter 1, 
to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You see, so believers, the ones whose father is God Almighty, now have a divine nature. We are no longer a slave to sin. We are free. We have escaped the corruption of sinful desires. They are no, we are no longer under condemnation. It said his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. The knowledge of him. If you know him, you will abide in him, the word says. If you have knowledge of him, you will desire to lead a life of godliness. If you know him, the Holy Spirit will come into your heart. He will change your desires. He will change your nature. He will give you the power to love him. And then your life will produce the fruit of the spirit. You'll produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. We don't have that anymore. We're new people. The world will be able to tell who your father is. They will say, hey, there's something different about him. And that's a good thing. Not that, hey, there's something different about him. No. They will notice there's something different about you. You have a new nature. You have the nature of your father. And so each one of us has to do an examination of the heart today. We need to do a a family tree research and see who our father is. There's only two choices. Are you a child of God or is Satan your father? So when you look deep into your heart, do you see a self-righteous person who thinks they don't need Jesus? You know, maybe you think, hey, I'm a pretty good guy. And when I, you know, when I die, you know, God's going to say, well, at least you tried. No, they ain't going to get it. And as we have seen, there is no eternal life with Jesus if you are lying on your parents or your your family tree for your salvation. No, your parents can't get you in. They can't say, hey, he's he's with me. She's with me. No. Or maybe you're just going through life and have never thought about what happens to you when you die. Well, you know, if there's a God, you know, he'll understand who I am. No, that's not true either. The only way to spend eternity with God in the new heaven and a new earth, a place where there is no more tears, no more heartache, no more death, is through the true son, Jesus Christ, who remains in the house forever. If you do not come to Jesus, then you are not free. You are a slave to sin, and a slave will be cast out 
forever. I beg you today to choose freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So here's the question I want you to leave with today, or I want you to deal with today. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Because Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Because if Jesus has set you free, you will be free indeed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pastor Dick.